0: Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever, however, and whenever you're listening. Welcome to another episode of The Melody Report. I'm your host, Marquise Lupton, and this is part two of our three-part series for this week. And you know what that means. That means that we have our newsmaker for the day. And this one, not really going to uh, uh, give you any, any uh, drama or anything like that. Just going to jump right into it because I don't want to waste... Anytime. our guest for today is founder of the rock church at 1501 market street in harrisburg again the founder of the rock church pastor joshua robertson pastor how you doing today i'm doing well glad to be here today thank you for having me oh of course of course i i honestly uh did not know who, who else to contact because you came uh highly recommended so okay. i was like all right all right well let's have them on so um um Without any uh, uh, wasting of time, uh, because we have about 27 minutes for this interview, Um, to begin, could you provide a brief overview um, of the
1: history of the black church um, and its significance? Sure. The black church, as I understand it, was really born out of um, slavery Mm. um, at a time where black people in America were just surviving and... Um, a lot of people think that the religion of Christianity was introduced to the slaves, but it, it wasn't. Um, mm. Christianity is an African indigenous religion. Um, mm. And so, you know, you know, there's a lot of narratives around the Bible and around Christianity. And 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 some would even in error say that it is a, a white religion or, you know, things I've like heard that. that. It's, it's just the furthest thing from the truth. Mm. Um, it just was purported a certain way to keep people oppressed. Um, and, and you can use any literature to do that. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing to me that the faith, the Christian faith um, and the black church was really able to uplift our people out of slavery and has yeah. continued to do that in our community. And then, um, you know, throughout the world now, um, the, uh, the black church has just significantly been. Um, a tremendous blessing to humanity. Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so so before we uh, uh, dive deeper into that, uh, let's talk about your background here.
1: How how did you get involved in uh, clergy? Absolutely. Well, my father is a pastor. Oh, all right.
0: So, so my... then you're a legacy. <laughs> I am. Oh, I day am. Day.
1: My dad, if he was here, he would tell you he's from L.A. Um, <laughs> but what he means is Lower Alabama. <laughs> my dad is from Dothan, Alabama, born 1942. Oh man! And so that tells you a little bit yeah. about you know his life and using he the heat of it. Absolutely, man! Absolutely in Jim Crow South. Yeah. And my dad is you know he was a, he he's a, a veteran you know served in the military. Man. When he got out of the military uh, was saved came to the Lord. And and he's been pastoring the church in the, in the city of Harrisburg for about the last 50 years. Oh, man. So, so then you were raised by a black, black man. I am. <laughs> I am. And a beside every great black oh, yeah. man yes, is indeed. a black woman. Yes, indeed. And so my mother, she's a, a preacher in her own right. Uh-huh. And so I grew up in the church, even though... Um, anybody who knows me knows, uh, you know, they were kind of shocked when I came to be a clergyman
0: because
1: <laughs> uh, I just didn't grow up wanting to be yeah. a pastor or anything. I was a sports guy, yeah. and um, and I just wasn't interested, really interested in the church or anything like that, mm-hmm. although I had to be um, growing up in that house. But, you know, I had my own journey. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I came to, to meet the Lord and, and gave my life to the Lord— um I just been running for him ever since. Mm, so so how was it being a PK? You, you know, I
0: have my own um personal stories like my parents never were like like reach pastor level. Like my mom, she's a reverend right now. Uh, uh my dad, he was a deacon. Uh so can you I- explain to us how how it is uh being raised
1: as a PK for those that don't know what a PK is a preacher's kid. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Well, I honestly think my mother and father did it perfectly because mm. when my dad came home, he was dad. Yeah. He wasn't pastor um, yeah. at when he came home. And so I had access to my parents and my mm. parents really loved me. And we have a great relationship. So I don't think I don't think my narrative is necessarily the one that's popular. People would like to say that, you know, pastors kid have a, a very, you know, limited life or they yeah. had to, you know, do this and that. My my parents made me go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were very much so supportive of my own journey. And yeah. I'll give you a for Thanks instance. Still. My mother wanted to name me Christian, because that's my dad's name. Yeah. And my dad refused. He 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 wanted me to be named something else because he wanted me to always have my own journey. Dig it. And so that's how my, my parents are. So yeah. I don't have the Traditional right. kind of horror stories around being the PK. <laughs> um, it was pretty good for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's funny that you brought that up because uh, my my uncle uh, Uncle Clement. Shout out to you. He's he's a pastor in in Philly. Okay. And and his son, his name is Clement. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so you know uh, uh, and and my pastor growing up, you know, uh, pastor. Uh Louis A Butcher, okay? His okay. son. Yes. Bright side. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, his yep, son, yep. Peanut. Louis A Butcher, okay. you know? <laughs> yep. So absolutely. A- absolutely. Uh so um so what was it? Um uh that that caused you to answer that call? Was it um some kind of tragedy? Was it some kind of uh you know, it's about time. Um did life just come full circle for you? Like what?
1: What was it? Uh, you know, I actually had, and and I I don't always tell this story, but I actually had a, a like a supernatural encounter. Oh wow! Um, so it was November the eleventh, um, two thousand seven. Mm. I was in my dorm room at the University of Minnesota, where I did my undergrad. Yeah, I had quit the football team my senior year. Oh right? wow! Right. So this was the first time I ever quit at anything. Yeah. And I'm in my room, and I'm I'm actually. You know, uh, doing something I don't have no business mm-hmm. doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so in that moment, I just felt like God arrested my attention and he told me everything that I will be doing, that I'm doing now, mm-hmm. pastoring. And and that the seat that I was in would be the seat that I would pastor from, meaning I, I had nothing. I was failing out of school. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, the football was done. Yeah. Um, you know, life was just spiraling out of control. Yeah. And he really reached my attention there because it was like, you know, you're never going to look down on someone else because I didn't call you when things were going great. I called Mm. you when the bottom was falling out. Come on. And um, I didn't respond to the call in that moment. Yeah. You know, but that's what initiated this thought that maybe God wanted to use my life to do something special, uh, to lead, uh, to help people. Yeah.
0: Uh, And and from from that experience. Uh, what did what, what? were some of the first things that you did? Because that sounds like that was a significant experience. Absolutely. And you said that you didn't answer it just then, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm pretty sure that there were steps that, that led to sure. you know that final step. So yep. what were some of the things that you uh, let go, so, so some of the things that you did leading up to that
1: point mm-hmm. of finally answering the call? Well, I, because of growing up in the church, one thing that I learned how to do was play the organ. And so so at least, even though I wasn't living for the Lord worth nothing, I went to church every Sunday because I was somebody's organist. Oh, Uh, okay. So I was always near the gospel, near the church and those things. Um, But summer 2008, after that experience in 2007, um, honestly, I got frustrated in life with kind of the... You know my interactions with with females and everything, mm-hmm. and I was like, let me pick up this Bible to see what I want <laughs> in a wife. <laughs> yeah, and I read the Bible from May to September three times in this, you know in an entirety, right? Mm-hmm. And from from cover to cover three times from May to September uh, um, of two thousand eight, and it was during that process that I began to see that I was looking for a wife, and I began to see that that the church is the bride of Christ. Mm. And I wanted to be I knew then that that this call to ministry was significant because it was a call of love. It was a call of a God who, you know, I I like to call him a helpless romantic. Yeah. um, That loves his people. And so I begin to, you know, be passionate about God's word, be passionate about preaching, be passionate about. Um, people, um, and that's kind of that's what really sprung my journey. And a local church, you know, another piece of this was I had significant questions. I was the type of kid that Noah and the Ark didn't make much sense to me. I was the type yeah. of kid who would say, "Hold on, you mean to tell me Daniel was in the lions then, <laughs> and the lions didn't eat him?" Nah, <laughs> negative. <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah. I was, I was that kid. Yeah. So one of the elders at my local church. Um, And, you know, he just kind of walked me through understanding the Bible Mm. and understanding some of these stories and those things. And I needed that. Um, I also was wondering why black people were, you know, disproportionately, you know, just not doing as well as other people, wonder why we couldn't unite, all of those things. And wondering if the Bible played a role and if Christianity played a role, given what you hear in the music, the media, the movies. Right. Um, and so he helped me really understand first that Christianity is is an African indigenous religion. And, and, and I was today years old hearing that,
0: you know. Um, I, yeah.
1: Yeah. Please continue. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and exactly when he told me that, I was like, what? And then how Christianity was whitewashed. Mm-hmm. Um, and mind you, I serve a multicultural church. Right. So yeah. there there's people from all over the world at my church. Um, But the truth is the truth, and the truth should never offend. Yeah, and it's amazing what happens when you tell the truth about something that people can embrace and build on the truth. So when you begin to tell me, you know how um, the Bible, how credible the Bible is, and how, and then how much the Black Church has played a significant role in the uplift of Black people in Mm. America, um, you know that's when my faith was just kind of lit on fire. Ah, so can you
0: uh, um, tell us then the beginning of your? of your pastoral journey then? Was it was it um like going back to school
1: and, and getting that education? Was it through the church? Was it through your father? Can you tell us about that journey? Sure. It it was through the local church that I was at when I lived in Minnesota before I moved okay. back home. Um out in Minnesota, my pastor who was a bishop at the time well, he's still a bishop, um he kinda mentored me. I had mm-hmm. mentors in the church. They discipled me and they and I and I you know began to start preaching. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as I was preaching, I was growing in the church, and then I felt this sense that I needed to move back home to help my dad mm. um, at his church, and you know, just just felt this call to come back to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I moved back here in 2012, and immediately began to help my dad. And I was ordained in 2013. Mm. Um, in fact, next Sunday is my 10 year anniversary. Oh man, congratulations! Oh, man. Of being ord- or uh, being um, ordained in an ordination ministry. And so that began my track. And then in 2015, I was hired as a youth pastor at a predominantly white United Methodist church mm. in Harrisburg. And six months after that, they made me a church planner for their fourth location. Oh, wow. And so I started a church. That's how I became a church planner, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: wow.
1: And for whatever reason, for reasons unknown to me, mm-hmm. um, a year later, they decided to close the church. Oh, man. And yeah, like I said, for reasons I still don't know, Mm -hmm. they closed the church and I was devastated. Two weeks before Christmas, I was devastated. Um, But I had a a group of about 35 adult members and they were like, hey, if you find us somewhere to go, you know, we'll continue to be a church. Mm. And so, uh, you know, January 2018, we became the Rock Church. Ah. And my dad opened up his doors for us to worship there. And so we worshiped there from January to April. Mm-hmm. And then a denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, the denomination, they took a chance on us. We partnered with them in ministry, and they actually gifted us the building that we're in now. Wow. And so the Rock Church became the Rock Church at 1501 Market Street, and we've been running ever since, man.
0: Oh, man. So can you tell me about that that feeling when uh, when you got that green light for your building, because I'm assuming that that's something that you've been in prayer about prior
1: to that, uh, so when that uh prayer was actually answered, your feelings i mean it was it was amazing you know you knew that you know God had to orchestrate that mm. right you know you just don't get a sixty eight hundred you know hundred foot building right for free. <laughs> um, Say that again. Right. For free. <laughs> and then, you know, some people who support what you're doing and help you to get established and everything. And so it, it's been amazing. I could tell you this. I truly believe that God blesses those who are grateful. Mm. And I truly believe that we've I've, we've been grateful right? Yeah. and we've worked incredibly hard to, to rightly steward. What we have. So it's been amazing. And to me, I love it because I grew up in the Allison Hill community. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I grew up on Nordane Street. Right. So the church is literally right around the corner from... You know, where I I grew up, where I was born and raised. I still go to the local barbershop. Just cutting Mm -hmm. it up. Shout out to just cutting it up. (laughs) I still go to my local barbershop, which is literally on the same street as the church. The church is on Market Street. The barbershop's on 17th and Market. Mm -hmm. So it's nothing like being home. It's nothing like building home. Right, right. Um, And so that's what I love, you know, as a a black pastor um, that's been formed by the black church. Yeah. Um now in the heart of the city with a heart for his people. Yeah,
0: so um when you're in um Minnesota doing your thing, what what was it? Was there a specific message? Um, was it uh, um something that you were sleeping and then and then woke up? Um what what was it that said, come on home?
1: Um honestly I lost my job mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that was tough. Yeah. Um I lost my job out of nowhere. Um, and I think what gave me the courage to move back home is, man, I have a supportive wife, man. Yeah, like, she's just like, shout That'll out to it. Shaniqua, like that is my girl. Like you know, she just it's it's, it's been like this through through thick and thin. So mm. since I met her, she has been one who has you know supported me and really have given me kind of the courage sometimes mm. to step out on a limb and and do something that. You know, may seem scary or may seem like, you know, whatever may happen. So I I would say that's been significant. And then also my life is marked by mentorship, man. Like Mm. I've had other black men step into my life and give me direction and guidance and correct me and help me see, you know, give me perspective and and all of those things. And so I think being surrounded by other um, strong black men that have come from the black church. Yeah. Um, has definitely influenced my life for the greater uh, for the good and and so how how surprised uh, because you
0: said that your um parents did not expect that this would be the, uh, uh the occupation career life for for you so how did that conversation go <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this all right so I called my mom and told my mom I was like mom I feel like God's calling me to be a preacher mm-hmm. she said are you saved <laughs> <laughs> she said we got to start there first. <laughs> she said, "You sure you say?" Oh, <laughs> uh, and anybody who knows me knows like that's kind of legit. Oh, <laughs> uh, so my parents were just kind of shocked like that yeah. just no one would have thought you know, that I would have been a pastor. I was a basketballer. I was mm-hmm. a footballer. Yeah. Um, I was I was uh, you know, I like the uh I like to say my favorite cologne was cannabis for men. <laughs> um you know, that, that, you know, and I'm talking about where God has brought me from, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um and so I just never thought in a million years mm-hmm, that I would be a pastor. But I could tell you this, I've been transparent with my story, mm-hmm. and I think that it has been significant as it relates to reaching people. You know, our age, I mean, yeah. I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm 38. And, you know, people from our generation, I think, appreciate authenticity Absolutely. and transparency. So I've always tried to use my story and what I've gone through as a canvas to say, you know, to, to paint my picture, but then also for other people to see, all right, you can have a scar or you can have a mar marred part in your in your picture and um God can still do tremendous things with your life
0: i I absolutely love that so um let's let's focus our our focus back um to the black church okay. and and the history of it um so the black church has a rich and diverse history so uh can you um um delve into um your own personal experiences growing up as a youth mm-hmm. and now as a man absolutely
1: so My oldest memory is being stuck on official day on the elevator Mm. with one of the world's most renowned black preachers. um, And that's Bishop O.T. Jones Jr. of the Church of God in Christ. His father, Bishop O.T. Jones Sr., Mm -hmm. was the second uh, presiding or they didn't call him presiding bishops. He was the second senior bishop of the Church of God in Christ, Mm. which is a denomination that, you know, started by Bishop C.H. Mason, Charles Harrison Mason. In the early 1900s, yeah. right. So you're talking about right at the turn of the century. This organization was built to really uplift again the the moral fabric and the existential reality of Black people who are, um, you know, traumatized because of slavery, yeah. segregated, you know, under resourced, all of those things. So you know that that's been my you know my first experience. I was eight years old, being stuck on the elevator with <laughs> Bishop Jones, and he was my dad's mentor. Okay, um, so. Uh, so that's 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 one man who I can think it makes a tremendous difference in my life. But then mm-hmm. also my godfather, who's deceased now, Bishop Benjamin J. Ravenel, who was the bishop of the Commonwealth jurisdiction um, in, in Harris and in, in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's my godfather. So, you know, he christened me. He was always there for me, you know, giving me wisdom, guidance. He ordained me. Mm. Um, so outside of I would say those two, uh, Bishop Nathan Baxter, who is from Harrisburg, Mm -hmm. and he was the dean of the National Cathedral during the presidencies of Bush, Um, George Bush and um, uh, Barack Obama and um, Bill Clinton. Um, So, you know, these men have all played a significant role in my life as preachers. Mm -hmm. And I would say I'm just at this point, I'm a connoisseur of black preaching. Yeah. Um, So I love, you know, the black preaching tradition and I, the reason why I love it is because it's always been a prophetic witness in the black community. Black mm. preachers have stood up for what is right, have stood against what is wrong, has had the courage to speak truth to power, mm-hmm. um, has always galvanized the energy of the of the people in the black community and beyond the black community, has also yeah. served as the moral conscience for America. Yeah. Um, and so I think that black preaching, the black preaching tradition and um, the black church has just been so pivotal um, to this country's uplift.
0: Yeah. So um, can you uh, share with us uh, some some of your church's uh, traditions that that you all um, still do today that connect with the tradition
1: of the black church? Sure. Um, so I think hands down. We have the baddest band in house, <laughs> right? And I was gonna get, I was gonna get to the music too. Look, <laughs> hands down, right? That corner be jamming every Sunday, right? Yeah. And and so so I was telling somebody today that uh, shout out to the Singers Lounge, right? Mm-hmm. The the and I was like, yo, the Singers Lounge band is is the Rock Church band, and really the Rock Church band is the Singers, Singers Lounge band <laughs> because they they were at the Rock Church before they were there. Oh wow! And, right? <laughs> and and I and I love the Singers Lounge and everything. Mm-hmm so that's you know no dig at all of course i i you know i'm shotting i'm shooting them out yeah but you know that musicality man is so you know that's that's it's in our bones yeah, you man. know what i mean it's yeah, in man. it's in the melody right? right you know what i mean <laughs> and so i think that that relates to the black church mm-hmm. um i already spoke about the black preaching tradition yeah but here's something else uh, the 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 work that we're able to do in the community, mm, right? So, yeah. like, as as a church in the middle of the city, in the heart of the city, we have a learning center, right? And our wow. learning center, we have you know approximately almost forty kids that come to our church Monday through Friday, eight a.m. to three p.m. Wow! And they are students, they're cyber school students, public mm-hmm. school students, and the concept is homeschool at the church, right? I Man,
0: <laughs> during <laughs> dur- during the um, um, pandemic and shutdown, like mm-hmm. that was one of the things that I was really talking about, like, all right, all these kids at home, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a real opportunity Absolutely. To, to, to throw it back to how things used to be. You know, and yeah, I got a little excited there, but nah. <laughs> go so ahead. That's finish. what it was born out of.
1: Yeah. So we started receiving 30 to 40 phone calls every day from parents like, yo, is there anything that y'all can do? Because wow. I got to go to work or yeah. I just don't know how to help them online. So we hired members of our church mm. to oversee to give to provide a safe and supportive atmosphere for our students to come to our church wow as public school students we don't hire any teachers their the instruction and the curriculum comes from the local public school yeah and you know after our first year we had 30 kids our first year mm-hmm. 29 out of those 30 kids were failing when they came to us yeah right and 10 out of those 30 finished above a 90 percent wow 12 out of those 30 finished above an 80 mm-hmm. percent six out of those th- uh, 30 finished above a 70 percent. And two out of those thirty finished above a sixty percent. That was year one. Year one. Year two. Ninety percent of our students finished the year above a seventy percent. Wow. And fifty-one percent of our students finished the year above a ninety percent. Right. I love
0: those statistics. Right. So Come you're talking on. about
1: kids who are coming to our facility, right. Monday through Friday, eight a.m. to three p.m. Yeah. And they're in the care. Of people that love them, love God, love them. Mm -hmm. We don't teach no religion classes. Mm -hmm. We don't pray. We don't make the kids do any of that. But there's nothing like being surrounded by people that genuinely love God and genuinely love people. To be in that presence. Yeah. And that's what... It's the tradition of the black church. Like that's what the black church has done. In fact, you don't have a civil rights movement without the black church. Absolutely. Right. Like MLK. Right. We, we forget that he was a pastor. Right. (laughs) Right. He was Ebenezer Baptist church. Right. Right. Um, Raphael Warnock, his successor, he's a pastor. Pastor. Right. And so you, you have the church at the heart of, you know, the community and the uplift of the community. So I just think, I'm just a proud member and lifetime supporter of and advocate for Mm -hmm. the black church. But more than that, the Church of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, man, (laughs) I again, again, just uh, that that school aspect of it. uh, What what it really sounds like, it really sounds like you all took the uh, forgotten, you know, um, took took the left behind and then and then said you know you're you're just as smart just as capable of those that are already doing you just need a little bit more care absolutely we just need to love up on you and then you'll see the results in yourself and, absolutely and it really seems like that 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 is exactly what happened and and these these students now are, are now performing to their highest exactly.
1: level exactly man but, but and and i have to be Completely transparent. Mm-hmm. So, because of my athletic prowess, yeah, I got through high school, and I didn't know how to read. So, so yeah. So, what's kind of crazy is what some people pe- don't know about my story is I failed out of my first college. Yeah, I went to Gardner Webb University in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and after three semesters, I had a .67 GPA. Oh wow! And I failed out of college, and I was there was a bishop who I was playing the organ at his church. Mm-hmm who just took a vested interest in me, and he loved me. And after I fell out, I came back to Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. I got with a friend who I grew up with. Mm-hmm. He asked me to take him to Altoona, Pennsylvania. So I took him to Altoona, Pennsylvania. We had $50,000 worth of heroin in the truck. Oh, wow. Right. I had no desire to sell it. I wasn't gonna sell it. I just mm-hmm. was lost. I was nineteen. Yeah, you know what I mean. I just, I just broke the news to my parents. I didn't know really what to do. This bishop called me soon as I parked in Altoona, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Hey man, when you come back down here, I'm like, man, I failed out and everything." He's like, "Man, whatever you're doing right now, he's like, you about to ruin your life, aren't you? Man, he said that about five times. Aren't you? Aren't you?" And I started wailing in tears, man. Yeah. He begged me to move back down there to North Carolina. I moved back down there. I lived with this man. I, did, I didn't even know the man. I had just wow. met him. But I lived with him. He helped me to learn how to read, got mm-hmm. me back in school. Now I have a degree from the University of Minnesota. My undergrad's there. And I have a master's degree from Evangelical Theological Seminary. Wow. And my whole life changed. Again, another black pastor yeah. with a black church you know, interceded in my life. And help make me what I am. So for me, the learning center for me is Mm -hmm. what that bishop did for me when I was 19. But I'm trying to do it with kids before they get there. Most people don't recover from losing a full scholarship. Right. Right. Um, And so, you know, I've been blessed by by God through the black church. I just wanted to um,
0: point point something out here. So so you couldn't read, but
1: you could read music. I couldn't read. And so I've never had a music lesson. Oh, wow. and, and, and you were still tickling them keys. Playing drums, playing keys. Oh. I, again, again, this is the genius of the black church, right? Yeah, we, we, It's in the melanin, man. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, bro. So it was literally... Like everything I've learned so much just being in church. Right. Like we didn't have an organist. My dad's like, hey, get over there and learn how to play. I'm like, all right, well, (laughs) you know. know?" And I learned, man. And, you know, it's taken me so many different places. I've played Mm. professionally for people. Wow. And, you know, it's just opened so many doors for me. Um, but like I said, there's nothing in this world like people that love God and that love you, yeah. and create space for you, right? Yeah. Oh man, I am, I'm...
0: Pastor Joshua. I'm loving your story right now. Oh, it, is, like. it, it is, it um, is, a- a- amazing, inspiring. Um, I'm, I'm almost upset to have to end this interview soon <laughs> because I, I, I feel like we're just scratching the surface um, of. Of your dopeness. Uh so um so let's um talk about the architecture and symbolism of uh the black church and its buildings. Uh what do they represent in your
1: opinion in our community? Sure. Um it's interesting because in my the church that I serve now, we have stained glass windows, mm-hmm. right? And stained glass windows have depictions of so called Jesus and yeah. you know, this is white Jesus and but the way that I've used it has always been a teaching point for black and white people and Mm. people beyond. Right. Like let's get to the truth and then let's get to how things got the way that they are and let's make sense of it. So for me, I think the architecture, the art that, that you see in many ways gives us an opportunity to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think if we are willing to be love warriors and that, and to me that means stepping into conversations that are sometimes difficult but to do it from a position of I love you and we not we not walking out this room until we have mutual respect and understanding of each other's past mm. and sometimes the architecture and the art just gives you something a, a mutual place to 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 begin the conversation yeah so that's why No, I don't want to paint the stained glass windows. And no, I don't even want to remove them. Like, I'd rather take that same money and put it into our youth uh, and then have a conversation about the architecture and the art. Um, Let's 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 be wise with what we do to propel ourselves forward. Right. Um, I think our our ancestors and our forefathers marched so that we can build. Yeah. Right. So like for me, I'm not interested in doing another march. Um, that's just me personally. Okay. I don't knock nobody else who does it. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in building. Yeah. Right. And I'm interested in in helping the black church and beyond to see how we can come together to also hold those who are in office, our government officials yeah. and politicians to hold them accountable for the distribution of resources that should come to our neighborhoods, right? That part. Um, And to be concerned about policy, not politics. Right. Um, And so I think the black church is poised in this time and in this era um, to collaborate and do something powerful for the uplift of our community.
0: Well, that statement really ties in with my uh, last question here. Uh, Pastor Joshua, want to thank you. For joining us today. Sure. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course, of course. Definitely gotta have you back. Uh cuz because again, I feel like we're just scratching the surface here. Uh sure. but um the final question.
1: Uh the future of the black church, mm-hmm. what is it? Well, I I'll say it like this: we are the trustees of our children's future. Mm. Come on. Right? Yeah. And so I think that we, the black church has a responsibility to live out. The heri- the heritage and the legacy that we've received, mm-hmm. which is one of prophetic witness, yeah. right? We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, yeah, right? We pe- we preach it powerfully, but not only that, we preach it creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, but we preach this message, and then we build communities that reflect the message we preach. Yeah, and I think that if we concentrate on doing both, don't leave the message, mm-hmm. but then also don't forsake what the message does, which is to build a community. So I look at it and say, in 30 years, we should be saying, okay, you know, little Johnny in our church and Richard in our church and, you know, uh, Latrice and, and Latoya, like, right, mm-hmm. you know, whoever they are, Jaylani and Peter and whoever they are, yeah. like they, this one here could have a law firm and this yeah. one here could have, you know, build a hospital and this one here could be a school administrator. And we build them, we make them disciples that now step into these positions and bring the character of what we represent, which is the message of Jesus Christ. All right. And I think the black church is poised to do it.
0: All right. All right. Well, folks, that was a founder of The Rock Church at 1501 Market Street. That is Pastor Joshua C. Robertson. Again, 1501 Market Street, The Rock Church. If you feel like going, go check them out. Again, uh, Pastor Josh, I would like to thank you again for uh, uh, coming in. And
1: any uh, last words for our audience? I just appreciate anyone who would take the time to listen. And, you know, I I appreciate this opportunity to serve in this way. And, you know, any way that I could be a blessing, more than willing to, I just believe it's up from here, man. All right.
0: All right. And you heard him. It's up
1: from here. I'm Marquis Lupton.
0: this is the Melanin Report. We'll see you on the other side.
2: It's time to be free Took a lot of courage so I can be me And it took a lot of purpose I won't let go if I'm writing notes, means I'm only setting goals, yeah These days like I might go, cause I be moonwalking on a tightrope yeah. My head's up to the light post, I keep my head right where the kites float yeah. You can't handle bars, unicycle, if I pop a wheelie, that's a high flow yeah. To the moon and back is where I might go, I'm just trying to find me the right, right flow But my words is off like a typo, yeah. let me undo, let me type slow yeah. Let me switch it up, that's the Geico, yeah. let me stay here, that's a nice flow Let me move up, that's a right goal, let me find a diamond, let me Go. that's a picture perfect like the sight froze Always all my city when the flight rose. Fly, it's time to be free Took a lot of courage so I can be me And it took a lot of purpose, I won't let go If I'm writing notes, means I'm only setting goals, yeah Fly, it's time to be free Took a lot of courage so I can be me And it took a lot of purpose, I won't let go If I'm writing notes means I'm only setting goals, yeah. i'm still blessed all i gain is power when i feel stressed all i gain is more when i feel less you gotta keep going that's the real test prove them all wrong that's a real flex it'll work out let me meal prep it might hurt now but you'll heal next for all my children i chill best i'm shining bright all of the lights i'ma touch the sky i feel west you touch my heart no steel chest i'm feeling super that's a real s so i'm a trooper on the field yes and i recruit you that's the realness Flow with sickening illness Set the foundation first Then build steps Now it's time to be free Took a lot of courage So I can be me And it took a lot of purpose I won't let go If I'm writing notes Means I'm only setting goals Yeah